Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. She's a great friend. I'm pleased to be with you, students, faculty, staff, and guests. It's an honor to meet with you and have the privilege and opportunity to speak with you. However, it, ha- it, ha- it takes family and friends to put things in proper perspective. Um, my grandson, Ben, said this morning, wow, you're famous. And my son, Robert, said, if you're dull and boring, I'm going to get under the seat. Michael Hunter from KBYU said, don't worry about it. If you go over, they'll just leave. (laughs) With that, within that context, um, you may feel free to do any of the above. I do not know why I was selected to deliver a devotional address, but I do know the message I am supposed to share with you. I have prayed fervently that I might be able to speak with you, that the Spirit might help us to share the feelings and the thoughts that I want to express. My experiences as a trauma and disaster nurse have been challenging and rewarding. I love the stimulation and excitement of saving a life in the face of overwhelming odds following a serious accident or illness, when a patient is on a ventilator, has many vasoactive IV fluids to maintain blood pressure, and requires numerous interventions to correct or maintain homeostasis. I love the detective work of determining the physiological responses to the terrible stimuli we humans manage to exert on each other, and then helping patients recover. I love to bring order out of chaos when there has been a natural or man-made disaster. However, as I tell my critical care students, no patient ever comes back and says, thank you for knowing how to read my pulmonary artery catheter values and titrate my medications accordingly. (laughs) Or thank you for knowing why I am crashing when my lab values are out of whack and knowing which medications will fix the problems. What they do say is, do you remember that night when I was so scared and you put your arms around me? Or do you remember how you comforted me when I was having that terrible procedure done? These are the times when I feel most the validation I receive for the interactions I have with patients. As I now guide such experiences for my nursing students, I also guess these are some of the reasons that Heavenly Father guided me to do what I do and to be where I am. Please join me in thinking back to how you felt when you knew you were coming to Brigham Young University. The excitement, the fear and trepidation, and the witness of wonderful things to come, even as you knew you would leave your previous comfort zone. I remember well my feelings of that day. I was a struggling student at the University of Utah at the time, weighed down by all of the life events that are overwhelming some of you working, studying, trying to be a good parent, never having enough time, sleep, or money. As I was wont to do, I went to the Salt Lake Temple for solace and guidance. On my way, I encountered a neighbor with whom I was teaching um, gospel doctrine in the Colonial Hills Second Ward. 
In the middle of our conversation with me grumbling and grousing about the heavy load I was carrying and the good brother consoling me, he stopped in mid-sentence and half-jokingly said, Who knows? Maybe you'll teach nursing at BYU. There was an immediate, overwhelming confirmation through the Spirit that I would indeed come here. Years later, as I entered the west gates of the BYU campus for the first time as a new faculty member, totally out of my comfort zone, I felt the challenge of the signs there. Enter to learn. Go forth to serve. Each time I pass through those gates, I am reminded of the importance of that injunction, why I chose the profession I chose, and why I'm at BYU. Hopefully, you periodically take time to reevaluate your reasons for being here as well. Many Church leaders and former presidents of Brigham Young University have discussed the reasons for the existence of BYU. In a faculty workshop, former BYU President Ernest L. Wilkinson stated, At BYU, we have a twofold responsibility, a grave responsibility which demands a great deal of our faculty and staff. First, proper academic development to meet the tests and challenges of the world. And second, proper spiritual development to meet the basic inner needs of the students and help them understand their relationship to others and to God the Heavenly Father. Nearly 30 years ago at a multi-stake fireside in the Marriott Center, then um, Elder Merrill J. Bateman was looking over those present. His eyes came to rest on about 2,500 missionaries from the MTC who were seated together. He said, I looked at them and realized that within weeks they would be scattered to the four corners of the globe. Then a flash of inspiration opened my mind as to the purpose of Brigham Young University. I realized that the students were being prepared to enter the world. The BYU families would be good neighbors, have strong relationships with business associates, and, if well-trained, be leaders in their communities. Much later, at his first devotional as president of Brigham Young University, Elder Bateman said, As almost everyone here knows, the word Zion in Latter-day Saint literature refers to the pure in heart or the place where the pure in heart dwell. A Zion people are of one heart and one mind. They dwell in righteousness and have no poor among them. In our context, a Zion University is a community of righteous scholars and students searching for truth for the purpose of educating the whole person. Most of you already belong to one of the two greatest forces for good on the face of the earth, the priesthood or the Relief Society. In the Church Handbook of Instructions, we read, The priesthood should be exercised in a spirit of love and a desire to serve and bless others. The purpose of Relief Society is to assist priesthood leaders in carrying out the mission of the Church by helping sisters and families come unto Christ. Taking individual responsibility for spiritual well-being and temporal welfare has always been part of gospel living. One purpose of the Church is to help members to fulfill these responsibilities. Priesthood leaders, home teachers, and visiting teachers have important roles in this effort. While you are at BYU, you have numerous opportunities to participate in these activities with powerful role models who have had years of experience. 
In Section 29 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord is discussing spiritual and temporal work. And then he says, Wherefore, verily, I say unto you that all things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal, meaning even temporal laws are designed to fulfill spiritual purposes. The purpose, then, of Brigham Young University is to be a microcosm of the Church. As we contemplate all these concepts, we can see how a Brigham Young University educa education prepares us for numerous roles. Enter to learn. Go forth to serve. If indeed we want to become a Zion people, our academic and spiritual efforts at Brigham Young University must be melded into our personal and professional lives. Regardless of our chosen professions, we can provide service. In analyzing and evaluating our interactions with others, we discover the values that really motivate our lives. Such an example and an examination can be a springboard for change and for growth. I would like to tell you the stories of three groups who really, really went forth to serve. The first I want to share occurred in the fall of 2001. On September 11th, I, like you, had a full schedule. I was on leave of absence from Brigham Young University for the block, ready to return to Amman, Jordan, as co-chair of a Middle Eastern International Nursing Conference and to complete a research project when the World Trade Center and the Pentagon were attacked. Since I obviously could not go to Jordan and I had no classes to teach, I was able to go to Washington, D.C. as a Red Cross disaster nurse. Working there with other relief workers and the community at large was a Zion experience for me as I witnessed the selflessness of many people. Spontaneous acts of kindness abounded all around us. When we went shopping for items for our clients, store owners would not take our money. Parking lot attendants refused to let us pay, and people approached us on the street to offer money or blood. Obviously, we could take neither, but gave them the addresses of local Red Cross chapters. One of my roles was to work with burn patients and their families at Arlington Hospital, at Walter Reed um, Army Medical Center, and at Washington General. As I interviewed patients from the Pentagon and families from both the Pentagon and from the plane, I heard the heroic stories of dramatic rescues, some of which you saw on television. I watched as a small, dainty woman with two fractured legs was reunited with a young man who caught her when she jumped out a two-story window. He received the greater of the injuries. I saw an uninjured survivor hug her rescuer who had burns from the tips of her fingers to the tops of her shoulders. I watched families of survivors support the families of those who died. All the time I was there, I thought of the scripture from Moses chapter 7, verse 18. And the Lord called his people Zion, because they were of one heart and one mind, and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no poor among them. When I looked that scripture up recently, I found a footnote that, refer that referred the reader to unity in the topical guide. Interestingly enough, that was the name of our operation at the Pentagon, Camp Unity. As you know, people from all over the United States pulled together during that terrible time. School children sent thousands of cards and letters which we delivered to families and survivors. As we shared the cards with them, tears welled up in their eyes and they remarked, I can't believe so many people care. 
A feeling of unity pervaded the atmosphere as everyone worked together relentlessly. As one seasoned firefighter put it, we think we're the ones who make it all right. It didn't take us many minutes to realize we couldn't make this one all right. We held nightly non-denominational prayer meetings to help us make it better. Local Afghan Muslims organized an interfaith service at the Lincoln Memorial where beautiful unifying messages were given by Muslim, Jewish, Christian, Hindu, and other religious leaders. As the darkness deepened, group members carried a giant U.S. flag down the, to the reflecting pool while we held lighted candles aloft with everyone singing God Bless America. The symbolism of this event did not escape us. In the shadow of a monument to a remarkable president who wanted to endure freedom for all. No one wanted to leave when the service was over. We walked around chatting with people we had never met, hugging perfect strangers, sharing our rich ethnic and cultural diversity. It was truly one moment in time where we felt a healing unity. Of such is Zion made. The second group is not quite so dramatic, but it is an excellent example of what can happen when people choose to serve each other. In an area largely uninhabited along the banks of Utah's Jordan River, a new community began, first a home here, then a home there. The people who came to this community had a variety of backgrounds, came from many places, and ranged in age from newlyweds to, well, some who were considerably older, who had lived in their previous homes for up to 40 years. Stepping out of their comfort zones, they left their former friends and associates behind and formed new relationships. They helped each other build houses. They helped put in sprinkler systems and yards. They worked together to decorate the interiors of their houses. They shared in births, weddings, tragedies, and deaths. Most of them also worshipped together, which helped them unite even more. Through their service to each other, they became very close. In fact, one of them called their settlement the Magic Kingdom, and the name stuck because of the spirit of unity the inhabitants felt. As the tide of new homes and new arrivals began to ebb, the people began to turn their attention to outside activities. My predecessor, the former Relief Society president, guided them to extend their service to other people far away. They sent clothing and supplies with a missionary couple from their midst to primary children in Africa. They provided fruits and vegetables, paper, crayons, and toys for children in a Palestinian refugee camp in Jordan. Numerous Eagle Scout projects provided supplies to citizens in far-off lands. The entire ward participated in a year-long humanitarian project. Each month, they gathered materials for hygiene kits. The primary children gathered toothbrushes. The young men and young women gathered combs. The high priests and elders gathered toothpaste. Each month in home family and personal enrichment evening, the sisters made quilts, hats, mittens, dolls, balls, and tropical bandages. Just before Thanksgiving last year, the Relief Society sisters gathered to assemble the hygiene kits. They discovered they had produced 1,001 hygiene kits, 25 quilts, untold dolls, balls, books, and tropical bandages. Their feelings of love and unity in their magic kingdom, i.e. Zion, swelled to a powerful spiritual experience as they rejoiced in their ability to love and serve others. Not only have they begun a Zion society, but they have helped others experience it also.
even at this very moment as we're in this devotional, they are supporting a member of that ward through a death and a funeral. The third story I want to share is about Brigham Young University nursing students whom I accompanied for a service learning semester in Amman, Jordan. I will let the students tell you part of their story through about five minutes of video clips and accompanying journal entries as they worked in a government hospital, in the community schools, and in a Palestinian refugee camp. Fatin is a five-month-old infant. When I met Fatin, she was still struggling. She seemed so distant. Fatin was in a corner in a barren room, trapped in an isolate. She was never held and rarely received physical contact. Because of this, she was a poor sucker. No wonder her chart said she had brain atrophy. She had no stimulation. I knew I could make a difference. I decided to hold Fatin and Ahmed. They needed touch. Going to the hospital in the second half of the week has given me the opportunity to see the results of the other students' work with little Fatin. A few days later, the nurse said Fatin was going home because her sucking was much better. I really felt that we helped her, and it is very exciting to see progress in the children. Through joint planning, the University of Jordan students and the BYU students provided many teaching moments for families in their homes and schools. Service at a school for the disabled afforded unique interactions with the students. This autistic child came alive through an encounter with the students and the camera. I loved how creative the people in my community group were. They put so much work into their health presentations. When they taught the boys about health, they made posters, did role plays, and involved the boys by asking them questions and having them put things on posters. The boys loved this. They paid attention to the health lessons, and they all wanted to be involved. Markel Wilkinson. Checking blood sugars among children who had never been tested required creative thinking to do the finger sticks. The BYU students first had to draw their own blood to develop trust. Students from BYU and the University of Jordan also worked together on a highly successful anti-smoking campaign. I promise. I will not smoke for at least three days. I will not smoke for these days. The BYU students worked through the Jordan River Foundation to direct at-risk children in learning activities four days each week at a Palestinian refugee camp. We have taught the kids about wound care, dental care, nutrition, exercise, diabetes, and emotions. I really feel like they have learned what we have been trying to teach. I have to say, this has been one of my most favorite activities we have participated in here in Jordan. I know we are making a difference. These children are so amazing to me. They obviously do not live under the best conditions, but they are happy and so well behaved. What does the future hold for these children? I don't know, but I know that we are able to brighten their lives each time we are with them, and my prayers will be with them always. All in all, the most important thing I learned from my time at Jebel Al Nasser is that love is the universal language. Even if they cannot understand what we are saying, these children know we adore and love them. They feel comfortable with us. We have helped these children find a haven, a place they can come to to feel adored, and hopefully, even in a small way, they can understand that they are of infinite worth. These three months in Jordan, with collaborative interaction, provided a unique service learning and educational experience for BYU nursing students and faculty. 
They accomplished their goals of improving nursing competence, participating in educational and research collaboration, and providing professional and community service that will continue to affect their professional and personal lives long after returning to the United States. I learned a lot about my own beliefs in nursing and I learned that all the little things we do are actually so big in the whole picture of someone's health. In the busyness of schoolwork and tests, I don't want to forget that I'm in this profession to help people. I'm in it to be an advocate for the patient and do everything in my power to give them the best quality of care. April Hansen. As our time was getting shorter and drawing to an end, I asked myself, have I achieved the goals I made for this semester? I know I will go home and talk about my experience here in Jordan. I feel that I have learned so much, both big and small. I also appreciate the fact that this is a religious culture. I appreciate and respect their values and beliefs. Later in life, I will remember the experiences I had and I will be able to draw from them. I am so grateful that I was able to live here among these people and learn firsthand from them. I will always remember the love I was shown here and the people I met. Jana Fear. God be with you till we meet again. This experience has had a lasting influence on the former students. They began as I an experience living and working together in Jordan that continues even now as they share their life with each other. Those they served in Jordan were able to feel that spirit of unity as well. As we contemplate the connection between these three groups of people and their stories, we find a common theme, that of moving beyond their comfort zone to help those who are in need. In the January 2003 Ensign First Presidency's message, President Thomas, Monson, Thomas S. Monson quoted from Luke, During the later Judean ministry of the Lord, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. President Monson then recounted the parable of the Good Samaritan, and asked the lawyer, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Times change, the years roll by, circumstances vary, but the master's counsel to the lawyer applies to you and to me just as surely as though we heard his voice speaking directly to us. Each of the groups we have discussed was trying to follow the Savior's admonition as President Monson has counseled us. In reinforcement of this principle, in the February 2003 ensign, President Faust said, Our objective is to have everyone feel the security, love, and warm embrace of the gospel. The Divine Redeemer gave us the pattern for achieving this when he commanded, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. As we plan to reach, involve, and serve the one, the principles to be kept before us on a panoramic screen of heroic size are the two great injunctions of the Savior to all his children, love and serve God, and love and serve our fellow men. Remember President Bateman's discussion of the purpose of Brigham Young University, that students were being prepared to enter the world, and President Wilkinson's charge to faculty 
proper academic development, and proper spiritual development for students. Many of us came from families where service to others was a regular part of our lives. BYU can reinforce those lessons we've already learned. However, some of us did not have that luxury. For us, BYU offers the opportunity to learn these lessons now as to how to love and serve God and love and serve our fellow men. If we are to inherit eternal life, we must become a Zion society of one heart and one mind. Brigham Young University, as a community of scholars and students, provides an opportunity for us to practice these principles. Our role as faculty is to prepare you to be powerful, positive, contributing members to your profession, whatever that may be, and to help you experience the joy of living in a Zion society, providing service to others. Our professions will cease to exist as we now know them, but love and service will not. As we share in this microcosm of the Church at Brigham Young University, preparing to travel to the four corners of the earth, let us remember the Lord said, All things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal. I challenge all of us to enter to learn and go forth to serve. We may not serve in the manner that was exemplified in the three stories that I told. Sometimes service is holding a child's hand. Sometimes service is helping a roommate. Sometimes service is bringing chocolate chip cookies to my house the night before I got to give this talk, as my good friend Marty did. We have great opportunities because of the experiences that we share, and we can bring each other for forward as we enter to learn and go forth to serve. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Classic Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on Podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.